0: Hello and welcome to We Talk As One. My name is James Kirkham. This is our first thought leadership series from Defected. Uh, It is a great privilege to have your time and your attention. Uh, Ultimately, when we think conversation and discourse like this has never been more important. Now, this is bringing together over 20 leaders from across music and beyond to give their time, their energy, their brilliant minds onto a whole bunch of different subjects all around the state of music right now, of dance culture, of promotion, of nightlife since the pandemic. Uh, Our aim is to come up with a bunch of practical, a progressive and some hope-filled thinking and a chance really to elevate some of the issues and attack the problems as we see them. We're running a series of four panels um, and our roundtable today is a pretty special one. We've got a great lineup and we're going to be chatting over the next 45 minutes about what we're calling promotional pivoting. So this is our a, a little exploration, if you like, and in, investigating how uh, marketeers um, impact and disrupt the lives of audiences without say the guerrilla activity we might have once done, without outdoor media or not as much of it, without simple flyering outside of clubs. Basically those well-trodden tactics of the past might be being kind of circumnavigated or leapfrogged over. So from social platforms to various bits of smart content, this session's gonna interrogate the changing nature of promotion through dance culture since the pandemic hit. It's about new necessary machinations of music promotion, all uncovered. Now I am joined by Mr. Bob Workman, Senior VP of Music Partnerships over at Warner Music, uh, Jide Madioko, CEO of Yoke Network, uh, oh, a brilliant uh, influencer agency that you're going to hear an awful lot about. Nick Lewis, a former colleague director of Creative Strategy at Copper 90, Tom Coxhead, a current colleague, head of digital marketing uh, here at Defected Records, and the fantastic Vanessa Bakewell, who's a global client partner uh, with bundles of experience right in the heart of entertainment at Facebook. Welcome everyone. Thank you very much for your time. You're all, all right, Are you all okay.
1: Hey, that's Friday.
0: <laughs> no, it's not Friday. Indeed, Indeed. Is it Friday, Friday. It is about learning. Don't forget. So it's not. We're not quite there on the beers just yet. Uh, <laughs> listen, let's kick off. Let's start with you, Vanessa, if that's all right. Um, it feels to me like platforms like Facebook, but also like YouTube, they've almost found this kind of new sense of purpose that really connected people during the pandemic. We've done stuff together with things like the virtual festival. We can get to millions of people far better than perhaps we ever could. Are you sort of seeing that? Are you seeing this almost fresh sense of worth within the business? And like, if so, how does it all evolve from here? Are, are artists, our labels looking to work even closer with you, for example, to perhaps, you know, get past the problems they're faced with without, say, outdoor media and things like that?
2: Yeah, um, I think even though we're physically distant, it doesn't mean that we should be socially. And I think that social and digital probably been seen through a new lens. And obviously something that I've talked to partners about for many years is putting digital at the heart of plans. And there's definitely been an appetite um, and a keenness to do that. But for whatever reason, sometimes it hasn't always happened. And obviously that kind of strategy that's you know that the appetite's been there for has kind of been forced in some ways or accelerated due to COVID and due to the past year and a lot of the best practice I think that I've talked to music partners about and um, everyone's now doing and <laughs> okay. um, so you know for years I talked about like doing all different types of tweaks um you know or like just really kind of Zooming out, really understanding your identity and authenticity and social, like what you stand for, like the essence of like your brand or the essence of you as an artist. And I think there's more of a, from what, from my perspective, there's more craft now to crafting like those stories, like the storytelling, which I think we're going to talk about a bit later. And I'm, like, seeing some, like, incredible, like, creative. And I always think, like, the music industry um, anyway has always been, like, leaps and bounds ahead when it comes to creative. Um, obviously, having, you know, on social platforms as well, having to always kind of engage people to kind of get them to tap for sound on as well, unless it's something like Instagram stories. Um, but ultimately, I think what we've seen is an appetite to kind of you know, work earlier as well. So, again, in the past, I think, you know, labels or music organisations and managers would come to us or me and say, oh, we've done this amazing project and it's oh, brilliant, but it's kind of all done and there's nothing we can add to it at that stage and it launches in like a week. <laughs> so that's very hard for us to add value at that, at that stage. Now what we're seeing is people saying, okay, like 2021, like in April 2021 we've got this artist and we want to do this on this artist and here's the challenge because I think we show up really well when we can kind of address a challenge or a problem and think okay how can we kind of get on the road together get into a partnership and kind of really um, you know do something incredible around the opportunity and the challenge for this particular artist and I think including all the stakeholders as well so not the la- not only the label, but also the manager, the artists themselves, the creative director of that manager. Like, yeah, it's just kind of changed the whole
0: journey. That's really, I mean, that for me immediately sounds positive, the fact that there is a care for the craft beyond just, as you say, whacking it on the platform at the end. Bob, would you kind of agree from your position, do you deal with platforms in that manner and are artists willing if you like to act in that way? I know you did some brilliant stuff recently, to do a Leaper for example.
1: Yeah I, I, it's super interesting hearing Vanessa talk about the, the, the sort of uh, projects being brought to her when it's almost too late for the platform with all of the insight and your knowledge of what's best for that audience and in, in, in that platform to be able to inform the the creative. I think we're much much more, we're becoming much more collaborative with platforms um and i think all of this has been massively accelerated no question uh this year yeah we did a, we did a we've done several sort of tiktok things this year um one with with Dua Lipa and that was an out and out sort of creative collaboration because i run a a unit called wmx which is was a sort of traditional brand partnerships unit but it's now putting sort of creative collaboration first um and that was a partnership with with TikTok a uh, you know a commercial partnership but very much one where they invested or co-invested in um, a video for levitating which is the sort of big current single for Dua Lipa because levitating itself is a was a was a trend on on TikTok and so we kind of spotted that uh ended up working with their creative media agency drum on the, on 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 the partnership um and it was quite challenging because actually Dua wasn't automatically on TikTok at that point. She she had a few poses quite early days for her, and some artists aren't altogether comfortable in that environment. So we had to sort of handhold her through that process, which she's been actually brilliant at, and she's done exactly the right thing like any sort of normal human being would do. do. She's experimented with it. She's tested and iterated and learned. She's put some f- films up and then taken them down. And, you know, she's sort of... Um, and of course, all that plays out in the public eye. So it's kind of, it, it, it's quite challenging for, for an artist, uh, possibly. But brilliant working with, 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 with TikTok and increasingly other, other, other platforms in a way that I don't think we, my team, did so much before. We tended to work with brands, third-party brands and those platforms. And yet we still do that. We did a Beats uh, partnership with, 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 again, with TikTok, with Ash-Niko, um And the hashtag for that I mean, it went very quickly up to over 10 billion sort of views on, on the hashtag and created a sort of cultural foundation, I suppose, of popular uh, sort of entertainment, I suppose, on the platform for Daisy, which is now like a, like a worldwide hit now. So um, that's been brilliant for them and, and, and uh, brilliant for eco and brilliant for, for, for Beats as well. So I think we're all getting a little bit smarter, a ton more collaborative, and and I think, you know, our, our relationship with platforms like Facebook and Instagram and so on is all about us properly understanding those platforms and those audiences and leaning into the relationships we have, like with people like Vanessa to, to, to make sure the work stands up properly on, in those environments.
0: So that seems to come both ways. It could be a platform like Vanessa and Facebook or the guys at TikTok coming to speak to you. Am I right in saying it could also come from artists? It could also come Bob from someone like in your team. Is that right that it can come from any angle like that?
1: It absolutely can, um, you know. And I think it's just it, 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 it's about platforms, but it's about you know it, there's a ton of stuff going on in gaming this year. Again, it's accelerated. Um, you know, again, Dua Lipa has just appeared as an avatar in the new FIFA game. You know, we're, we we are looking to place our artists in different, you know, verticals of culture and entertainment. I suppose Stormzy just, you know, had a has had a big cameo on on Watch Dogs, the Ubisoft uh, game. So it, it's it's platforms, it's games, it's you know, I think where we were narrow, we're much we we have to be much broader now.
0: Can that ever get too much, though? Because that that is a very broad church, and and even just someone like yourself, let alone your team, flitting between the a the variety of platforms, then considering gaming, presumably other areas of attention, the likes of over on OTT Netflix. Where does that end? Is that is that hard?
1: Well, I think yeah, you have to you have to know what you're good at, <laughs> like. Like we're not trying to do everything, and I can't take credit for all of those things. My team, you know, we work with all sorts of other parts of our business to do these things, and not least with the artists and their management teams, and so on. So, um, you know, I think yes, you, you know, I, I suppose it's all about execution ultimately. Like I, the things I've mentioned uh, are all things that have been executed well, fundamentally, and and that's where you know we have to be much. We've 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 armed ourselves with proper creative skills, you know, individuals from the world of advertising and and cultural content and so on. You know, this is part of a big recalibration of our business away from a sort of traditional promo, uh, sort of publicity orientated business to a much more collaborative, much more journalistic, arguably business. You know, we talk about, everyone talks about storytelling. We've been saying those words for years, but the reality is our business arguably wasn't that good at that until quite recently um yes the stories play out in promo videos and that kind of stuff but those are quite formulaic formatted things mm-hmm. everything else all of that other 360 sort of bandwidth that our artists have we have to have skin in that as well yeah, right. so whether the, whether it's you know football with copper 90 or you know or, or, or fashion with hype beast or whatever we've got to somehow and it is hard to your point like it's 14 hour days
0: like most of us <laughs> are having right well we all but, look so good yeah yeah exactly <laughs> well I do um Jidek like there feels like there's lots there I'm I suspect that you would be agreeing with I found a few of those bits interesting I'd love to hear your perspective and maybe tell us more like the way Doa perhaps wasn't prolific on the platform the way shit sounds like she's been trying stuff out do you agree it's right that the artist finds their way? Do you think it's right for the influencers? Tell us more about what you've been up to um, in the context of all of this, mate.
3: Um, so generally in the context of it, um, we launched uh, the UK's largest content creator house called the Wave House, um, on TikTok. So, um, currently we've got over three point two million followers on TikTok. Uh, we worked with various brands, worked with you guys at Defected as well. Um, also worked with um in uh, the hot worked with um our own internal brands as well but um the main thing about it is that we've also done with the music work what we've kind of seen is that um across the board on TikTok and generally with um whenever we run campaigns outside of the wave house is that um when the in inter- when the influencers and the artists actually have a lot more creative freedom then that allows it to be a lot more organic content that can go viral um and as well with it, we've seen that um, when there's actually a higher frequency of posts that is more viral than just um, having one massive uh, creator that's just gonna post. And then that has less of a ripple effect. But then again, it does depend on the creator. It does depend on the trend. Um, So like there's music artists or um, creators on TikTok already that I've seen uh, recently that every video that they create, it always gets replicated. So I think for um, our music labels, it's about finding the source, the talent that has that ripple effect, the talent that has that virality. Um, and generally as influencers, um, I know that when we're um, creating content, because we do a lot of high scale content, like we've had a roller coaster in the garden, we've had a 60 a foot water slide in the garden as well. So it's been kind of crazy, but what I've seen is that um, the the kind of, co- the advertiser or the label it needs to fit the content so that it has the right vibe and it is organic and it does have that virality because i think especially for music on tiktok the reason why it has such an effect on um, on the music uh on the, on the charts and chart positions is because um once somebody tells a story within a piece of content and that sound goes viral um everybody wants to jump on it everybody wants to jump on the trend so um it's really about having that, um, being able to find a source of talent that will have that effect. Um, so that's, that's what I'm
0: is, is everyone, I mean, I know you're busy and I know the way felt, well, it sounds like you've just been spending your summer on water slides and roller coasters, yeah. actually. It's a different kind of busy. No, but um, yeah. <laughs> I presume everyone's jumping in on it at the moment. I mean, I assume you've never been so busy. Are they doing it well? Are the influencers managing themselves, managing to sort of explain what it is the activation should look like, or is, is there a lot of rubbish out there from brands, for example?
3: I definitely think that um over the past few months, the quality has accelerated in the sense that people on um, brands and advertisers now understand that to be successful on TikTok, it has to be native to TikTok. Whereas previously brands were coming from a world where they were just repurposing Instagram or YouTube content on TikTok, and that isn't how it works. So I definitely think that with the growth of TikTok, Um, especially through COVID um, brands and advertisers have been able to really understand how to best work with creators. And the one thing about TikTok's algorithm is that it is optimized towards original content and new trends. And it's always searching for um, content that uh, hasn't kind of been created on the platform or is utilizing its tools. So um, I'm sure that you guys have seen like um, there's been a video of um, it's, it's like a a tool on TikTok where the blue bar is coming across the screen and people are changing into different um, yeah, yeah. things. And I've seen people do a halo with it. So just that creativity with the tools that TikTok has given creators um, has allowed them to kind of um, engage with brands more. And, and also now you start to see artists actually make uh, music for TikTok so that it can go um, viral or to leverage their trends. So like Jason Derulo, um, in America, he got a number one uh, for the song "Savage Love," which was originally like a TikTok song, um, and then it turned into a number one hit. And um, and even uh, Wes Morgan with his debut song, I think last time I saw him, he was like number three in the UK charts, and his actual song became a dance on TikTok. Um, and by him coming on, he isn't native to the platform. I've seen a lot of the of uh, the bigger celebrities or bigger um, personalities who have an audience elsewhere, they'll literally come onto TikTok and react to content that's already there with the duet feature. And it just shows, um, I think that's the easiest way to show their personality and and that like Gordon Ramsay does it really well. So like, there's so many different ways, but to answer your question, I definitely think that um, uh, the quality has stepped up recently with um uh, advertisers and creators on TikTok.
0: Because because this, you know, as a, as a little arc, even just through those last three bits of conversation from what Vanessa was describing in terms of the importance of the craft and the, the care that is actually beginning to really show when she speaks to people, okay. although Bob describes it from effectively many different angles and an artist's willingness to evolve to what you're saying, that all feels, you know, frankly, bright and positive. Nick, um, you know, you work in football, Copper 90, like music, currently exists in a live capacity without any fans, and it's a pretty harsh state of affairs. How does all of this fit in your day-to-day? I know maybe you can tell us about some of the brands, be it from Nike or Budweiser that you're working with. Are they all, are they gone dark and sat around waiting for next year, or are people still involved? Music and football is always intrinsically linked, right?
4: Yeah. It's, um, I mean, you guys have all covered quite a lot of ground already. Um, that, that's super interesting. I think there's so much has happened in the last sort of six, seven months culturally in terms of creative output. Um, much to Vanessa's point, a lot of things have been super accelerated. Uh, and generally, I think you see this sort of trend of like uh, people are less passive. So. I think maybe like early stages of lockdown, people would just sit there and watch Netflix or whatever, but now there's so much more participation and encouragement to participate and create. And I think, you know, from a a football point of view and similar to the things that you are talking about influencers on TikTok footballers as entertainers has been skyrocketed and accelerated where there's so much more participation from them on their own channels obviously there's been like breakaway sort of social media stars that are you know footballers in the past but um, they're so much more engaged and largely led by the fact that they didn't have anything to do right they weren't playing and so there's a curiosity there and I think a lot of the success of TikTok recently has been that people don't want to be passive and the brands that we work with although we haven't worked on all of these projects things like Nike's like play inside really encouraging people and using talent to drive participation and community I think has been been really interesting Uh, for us it was a big challenge obviously right at the very beginning much like music football completely stopped. So there wasn't any narrative arc for us to build our editorial around because, you know, the narrative of the season is kind of what what we lean into. think, Uh, for those that don't know anything about Copa90, we don't show any football. So uh, the play stopping for us perhaps was less important than say for other other, uh, broadcasters and media businesses. However, um, we noticed that really to drive engagement and conversation around our channel, we had to really tap into nostalgia and previous moments and foster and create memory, uh, which has been been challenging, obviously, to make things where we can't go out and shoot, but utilising archive and stuff is, has been very important. Um, and then with the brands that we've worked with, some have been pretty nimble and quite quite shrewd in terms of how they might have had Talent access, which they would have ordinarily active, activated around the Euros. Contracts are coming to an end. They don't want to lose out on activating talent. So we're, uh, we shot a commercial with uh, Raheem Sterling and Pepsi, for instance. Uh, Autumn to um, uh, leverage kind of the cultural moment of football coming back on. So there's been these kind of spikes and kind of moments in the narrative of 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 COVID narrative of COVID sounds odd, but uh in lockdown yeah. and uh there's so much sort of parlance now around this experience I'm not, never quite too sure what, what the right phrase or term is now. So there's been been kind of interesting things like that happening, Uh, but a big problem for us is like um, not being able to actually go and shoot our normal editorial. Uh, But we've managed to produce quite a lot of content in very COVID safe environments. Uh, We've got a commercial that we've shot for Budweiser in lockdown that's going to be airing fairly soon. And then also other content that we're out shooting with, with EA. Um, And uh, like with Vanessa discussing about like platform adoption, obviously we're recording this on Zoom now, the sophistication of having clients abroad uh, and then doing edit reviews over Zoom has been been amazing, but also to plug in talent from lots of different places. So uh, we had uh, a format uh, with EA, Stay Home and Play Together, uh, which was really great where we had players again not doing anything not playing but much more willing to participate in in content that would have been harder for us to get their time so we had Rio Ferdinand host like you know uh conversations over games of fifa we've done other stuff with uh, with ea and access to talent but recorded uh virtually and i think with hindsight you look back on some of the things that you used to do or how you'd approach a platform or a problem or an idea um in exactly. production and cool aren't things really actually a lot simpler than they need to be um when you can work in in quite cool clever remote ways um so ready? yeah so a lot has happened and um I think, you know, there's been kind of quite interesting emotional cultural responses to the problem. And, you know, you're seeing musicians and and athletes uh, looking at societal change as well, which has been particularly uh, pleasing and interesting to see. I think there's a a challenge uh, with footballers and obviously they... um, want to be known for what they do on the field but i've also realized how big their platforms are during this period and and participation on social it doesn't have to just be frivolous that kind of you know mm. whatever the meme of the moment is type content and we're seeing a lot of that uh, which has created a, a, another conversation around football beyond kind of the gameplay almost or the match
0: there's some interesting parallels to what you just said there was a panel last week which is ultimately about the music and there were a few elements there because ultimately you've got a fan base that you've got albeit there was football there was a lack of football at one point but the fan base was still active the music panel from last week was actually around how how effectively breaking new music in this time is tough if the music doesn't have an inherent Community. Someone was saying, you know, drill is still absolutely massively popular and afros are a huge influence at the, at the, motion, at the moment. Uh, but without that kind of leveraging of the community, it'd be a real struggle.
4: It's like oh. uh, platforms like Versus and yeah. the things that they did much the, yeah. like uh, Gucci Mane and Young Jeezy, like that yeah. moment would have really happened without the adoption of kind of the tech and this kind of synergy between all of these things coming together to create something that's like super standout. I think perhaps, and you guys would know better than us, but we see... Uh, more willingness from footballers to be involved in certain projects and I presume artists now are much more willing to to do things Um, but there must be a balance as well you're a footballer you're a musician you make music you're not an influencer per se Uh, the same with a footballer.
5: I think an interesting point on that which talk about like the crossover of the two cultures and a brand doing it well I don't know if any of you saw it but the Puma football thing that went out the other day with Anton Griezmann uh, dancing to the Mufasa now video that we call it with the MK Nightcrawlers thing. They've obviously seen that Griezmann's a massive house music fan. That video has been going viral the whole year um, and have seen it and taken it and done a thing on Reels and TikTok, but it's ended up going viral. So in terms of like a brand doing something very clever and moving quickly, um, I feel like, yeah, saw that the other day and I thought very interesting that Puma have done that with Griezmann and ultimately dressed head to toe in Puma. So the millions of people that have now seen it associate that record, that music and et cetera with, with Puma. So.
0: Tom, I should have known that you'd get Mufasa into this somewhere along the line. You probably He's need actually to- gonna come later,
5: but he's, he's come earlier <laughs> you than
0: might to, you, might, <laughs> you might need to explain this properly. I'm pretty sure that's all you do now is play that same video. I'm joking, but can you explain a little bit about, because what underpins that is community is a very, very fervent, slightly mad, very vociferous community. Can you explain the importance of that when, frankly, you do drop a piece of marketing or you do drop a piece of content that you do on any given day?
5: Um, I mean, just on the move faster thing, I think it's a good example of like understanding community. I mean, that, that video popped up at the towards the end of last year. We posted it, and then on the first
0: Friday... I mean, it is, because there'll be a lot of people... You had, there'll be a few people left in the world who've not seen it, Tom, about four...
5: <laughs> Mufasa, Mufasa, a.k.a. Cousin Skeeter is his Instagram name. Um, he's from Virginia. He has this amazing outfit, yellow shirt, red shorts, um, and he he does dances with with loads of different records. But there's a record that he danced to, which was Nightcrawler's Push the Feeling on the MK Mix. Um, and we posted it. It went viral. But then on the first Friday of 2020, we posted it and was like, oh, we might post this every Friday of 2020. Little did we know, obviously, what was going to happen in 2020. Um, and it has become a thing. I mean, it's had 62 million views on our Facebook. Um, if we don't post it on a Friday, we get about 50 messages from people being like, where's the Mufasa video? Um, but obviously in a time where there's so much negativity around, et cetera, it's like we, we've harnessed like a positive thing that is very relevant to our audience and, and kind of own that a little bit. And rather than just leaving it as a piece of social content, we are now speaking to Mufasa. We're going to do a video with him. Um, MK, who produced the record, and uh, two people who did variations of that one, including um, a young girl called Daisy, who has prophetic legs that I think that's had about 9 million views on our Facebook. So obviously, during a time when there are, there is so much negativity out there and stuff, it's like been a real shining light of kind of how something digital and virtual, which obviously that video came from, can make so many people around the world happy. Um, and I think that's a really important thing at the minute.
0: There'll, be a, lot, there'll be, a lot, be a lot of people, hopefully there'll be a lot of people who see this and, and watch this. Some of them will be perhaps early stages of their career. Tom, maybe also explain when you're a brand like that you effectively run on a platform like Facebook, how much you actually listen to that audience and how much, you know, because I, I think I've been on record before as saying people have no idea that the morning after the first virtual festival, the only reason there was another one was we all sat there in our respective homes reading comments going, yeah. oh Christ, we need to do one next Friday as well. And that genuinely was the way it kind of worked. But can you explain about how you genuinely listen and interact with this? The Facebook audience is a really good example of a fairly passionate bunch.
5: I, I think I'm very lucky that I am the audience, uh, albeit slightly older than probably people who are going out to their first raves and stuff now. But like, I, I am obsessed with house music, as I was football when I used to work in football as well. And it's like, I think you have to when you're running channels or when you're like engaging with people, I think if it's not real and you don't get it, people are going to pick up on it straight away. And I think, yeah, everything that we do, no matter what it is, whether it's a tweet or a Facebook post or an Instagram post has to be some sort of kind of meaning behind it. So I think it's like, I, I always look at the kind of pillars of it's got to be inspirational, educational, cool, or positive. And I think if it's none of those things then it's probably not worth doing. Um, and I suppose an example of that, James was like, I posted a few shuffling videos back in the day when I first started Defected. Um, And this isn't any offense to anyone who shuffles because I know there's a lot of people out there who do, but like people on our Facebook didn't like it and were like, this looks stupid, this is da-da-da, et cetera, et cetera. On the side of that, we've obviously shared a lot of house dance stuff and the house dancing community is very passionate, important and culturally relevant. Um, People in Japan dance into house music, South Africa, America, et cetera, et cetera. And we've kind of worked with those kind of key dancers um, to really elevate that as a thing. And I, th- I think that's an, an example of like when we did the shuffling stuff, it just, people just didn't like it. And you've got to understand that there's a
0: reason for that. Um, and they love the house stuff because it's real, you know? Um, is, it, is, is it about that realness, Tom, but pure and simple? So when, it, you know, we're talking about, we've all mentioned storytelling, I think, once in this already. Is it just about telling the truth, being Uh, you know, honest in the way that we kind of craft that message or tell that story, would you say?
5: Yeah, and I I think it's about talking about things that aren't just about yourself. So, I mean, obviously, we're a brand, so defected. We obviously have records and radio shows, et cetera, to promote. But obviously, if you look at our Instagram, for instance, we talk about a whole host of things, whether it's Erica Badu or we'll post a a footballer or or a soul singer, et cetera. It's It's things that we like that we know our audience will like. And I think, I mean... Bob, obviously with the doer thing like the the mixtape that they did with um the Blessed Madonna um that allowed Dua to kind of flex her muscles in like a house dance world and I I've I'd, I'd known her for quite a while and I know that she likes dance music and that kind of was really interesting to me to see those two worlds collide so publicly by doing a mixtape you know and I think but it but it was real I, I, I never thought once that it was kind of a marketing obviously it was marketing but do you know what i mean i never felt like it was forced i felt like it came from a real place and i think yeah across all marketing but digital especially i think if anything's not real i think you're going to get called out on it pretty quickly and uh yeah
0: so yeah i vanessa, think real, I
5: thought you,
0: realness is the one i saw you nodding furiously along there vanessa would you say that from the other side of the fence would you agree irrespective of defective but i mean just in general kind of you know, your do's and don'ts, does that make sense in terms of that honesty and that crossover that Tom's just described?
2: Yeah, I mean, everything that Tom just said is incredible Um and this is, you know, what you've done brilliantly is affected, Is like all of the best practice that exists that we've kind of advised people on for years, like you do it but it comes from place of heart and passion Um, you know, even like Tom, when you said about when you post, like, you know, you've got your certain principles that you think about when you post. Like, that's just like the essence of your brand and social, but not every kind of artist or music organisation can, can kind of speak to that or articulate that. I mean, there's like the artists that have been signed for years or new artists and you're like, what's your essence? What's your narrative? What do you stand for in social? And they don't know. And it is really important and really authentic to kind of get that nailed. Because um, people buy people. And if you think about the amount of content, you know, people scroll the equivalent of Big Ben every day on average in the UK of like the length of a feed. Oh, it is. <laughs> Yeah. That's <riding. laughs> So, you know, you think about the amount of personal content from friends and family, like you can't always be selling on social. And I loved what you said as well about how, you know, it's not just about you, it's about like your lens on the world, because too much choice is paralyzing as well, like there's a lot of content out there, curation is so important, so like there's two points, one is like curation is really important and, you know, everything that I see from, you know, Defected allows me to kind of navigate the world and think about what to focus on or what to watch that day and that kind of editorial curation is more key than ever. And I started my career in press, (laughs) in music press, like Nix Mag and The Face and so on. So, you know, I've always loved like editorial creation. I think it's really important. And then the second point as well is like cultivating your community. And, you know, when I've seen everything that you do, um, both before kind of lockdown, anyway, over the years, um, and since, it's like having that personal touch So, you know, I've got pushback for years Some you know, people within music um, saying, oh, we haven't got time to give, like, it's so much time to kind of like, you know, think about social. And I understand, like, there's a million different, like, digital partners or above the line channels, like, there's so much going on, but you see like how amazing it is, you know, like years ago before the internet, like when I was growing up, like to buy smash hit. So that's the closest I could get to kind of like a, a pop star, if you like, it was quite distant. And I think, you know, what you said about like reading all of the comments and allowing that to inform strategy and responding to everybody as well because you know we see that we see that you get like enhanced reach and um, when you take the time to respond to people and it really like surprises and delights you know fans and I think you know cultivating your community is so important and I think more so is like you're starting out. So whether you're a new music organization, whether you're a new artist, whatever channel it's across, like taking that time to get back to people and to kind of like really join in the conversation is such an opportunity. It shouldn't kind of be held at, at distance. And I think maybe, you know, you've got to allow for some vulnerability as well to kind of show different parts of yourself as an artist or a business in music and be willing to kind of, as you say, talk about the things that you love outside of yourself like your view of the world and it makes it so much more interesting
0: i love the idea of the more vulnerable artist as a result of this i think that's such a nice thought and and bob would you, is that something when we're when you're looking at those sort of maybe slightly shifting behaviors or or attitudes of our consumers for example we're all sat here on zoom we're not really commuting again pretty much to the lounge or the kitchen is that a, big deal at a label that you're currently working on striving to release music striving to get artists getting brand deals is it a big deal that we frankly have changed our habits pretty much entirely on any given day does that have a big influence on the way you go out to people the way you market to them
1: yeah I think it probably does I mean funny enough in dance music I think there's been almost a bigger hole uh from having no clubs right you know and 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 you know, I talked to our kind of dance label a um, who are signing great records and actually there's a few records that have had that sort of Covid story about them that's quite interesting and I'm sure it's the same with Defected actually we've got this um, Diplo and Sidepiece record which you know it was signed at, I think it was signed at the end of last year like December last year and the plan was you know this is going to peak in March and you know we'll then, it, then it'll be a big sort of Ibiza track and, you know, off we go into the sunset sort of thing. And and the reality is, of course, completely different. We not only kind of lost the Ibiza effect, but actually fundamentally you lose that groundswell of of, of sort of feedback on the record from clubs and all the, all the content that comes from clubs of seeing the track played out. And so you had this sort of weird little peak at the beginning because, okay, it's Diplo and it's a great track, but then it sort of, Fell away, right? And and this track's extraordinary because it's God. It's had about four lives already through the year, and it, in fact, you know, we they, we were talking about TikTok earlier. They made some really wicked little sort of TikTok edits, sort of planted those in sort of mid lockdown, I guess. Not much happened to start with, and then I think it was Perry from Diversity posts a, a dance, yeah, and and it gets like 190 thousand like creations and like hundreds of millions of impressions and now it's sort of a hit right and it, and it's sort of come through i think today it went on the capital radio dance playlist really? you know, wow. and it won a grammy earlier this week so wow. all of this stuff that sort of seemed almost impossible in march has sort of come come around again and then we've still got clubs to come so I when
5: mean.
1: that track that you've been confined to your headphones sort of thing Wait till people hear it on, you know, in a club, and it will have another life all again. And so, the reality: there's a ton of music like that that's going to have, going to have to be re-released effectively, or you yeah. know, re- repurposed down the down the track. Which I think's um, fascinating.
0: Again, with my, with my glass half full, there, it's like the cream rises to the top. If the record's good enough, it will find a way. We've got so much right, even on this call, so many platforms and channels and places and influences. Yeah. The chances are it will happen. It might just take time. I think that's a really interesting point. Yeah, uh, Dutch is
1: an artist that's been launched in, in lockdown effect, effectively. And in fact, he put some dates on sale for uh, May, I think. And they sold out in like minutes because let's face it, all the people who've fallen in love with him during this period have never seen him play live. They're like, oh my God, imagine that, you know? <laughs> yeah. So... Um, but I think the labels have actually functioned remarkably well. There's no hiding on a Zoom call. <laughs> like, you know, it's, uh, everyone's very focused. Um, so I think it's been, I think it will change all sorts of things
3: going forward. Yeah. I, you know D- def- go, yeah on. go on. No, i definitely like to say, because um, one thing, being like a huge Travis Scott fan myself, like literally since back in the days when he wasn't releasing music, I think that, um, Definitely for music labels um, and newer channels, kind of having those moments. Cause he did um early in the year Travis Scott turns Fortnite. And like I actually was, I went on YouTube, actually watched the actual video, even though I don't play Fortnite. But I think that um giving like the audience and uh, fans new experiences, um, especially through like the the different virtual mediums and like especially in games as well. Um, I definitely think is um, a huge opportunity for. Um, so
4: exciting! People. Those platforms like Discord and Roblox are like kind of these weird, but I I have really no idea of how they actually <laughs> yeah. work. But when I think about them and see them, it's it's fascinating that virtual experience is now like skyrocketed, and people like Travis Scott obviously have been really really at yeah. the heart of, of those moments. Really that. Um, I, that might have happened anyway but like yeah it's um, yeah, yeah
0: totally so, silly. so, so I, I, think think it's the, I think i think today's example there of travis scott is my go-to example when i say this time is like a creative arms race like seeing that and it's like, oh man i want to do that i wish i'd done that better and someone might see something we've done maybe and think they want to do better and i think we're we're heading into some brilliantly creative but chaotic time. We've got like a minute or two left. So with that in mind, this has been a absurdly upside down kind of year. Tell me from a personal perspective, selfishly for you about the business that you work in, how's 21 going to shape up? Can we be afford to be positive like that? Is it going to be more creative? Do we need to hold back a bit and think this is going to be still a big challenge yet? Maybe Nick, I'll start with yourself if that's all right.
4: I I would feel incredibly optimistic, I think, across both worlds of, of sports and entertainment. When the doors do open again... It, everyone is going to be so engaged and so excited to be out and have real experience. We've got a Euros that's going to take place. Hopefully the final will be in London and it will probably be one of the most exciting summers. Every small event, every pub gig, every festival will be like the hottest ticket for you. And I think for me, that's really exciting. And to, uh, to Bob's point, but also with like bands like The Vision, they were like the perfect antidote to all of this. So I would love to be able to see yeah. and enjoy those records live. You know, instead of in my kitchen with a Negroni,
0: <laughs> yeah, no, no one wants to see that. What about you, Professor, <laughs> for 21? What's What's he got in store? Are you feeling hopeful?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that um, people will be resilient and agile more than ever. Mm. And um, obviously, from my perspective, like working with all different types of um, music organizations, from classical to dance to pop to back catalog to everything like everyone's like put digital at the heart so i think when we come out of this like you're saying the doors open and, and the demands are, uh, everyone's going to be like i'm there like you know on people's phones in the most optimized way ever <laughs> and um i also like i think at this time maybe people have had a bit more time for discovery as well so will people's kind of um attitudes be different? Will they have kind of discovered new genres? Will their world have opened up a little bit so by the time That's the nice doors open? Thought. Yeah, they'll, they'll, you know, experience new things.
0: That's a really nice thought. Jade, I mean, it's going great guns for you because of the people piling into platforms that you're clearly specialising in doing great. I presume you're seeing it as a positive going into next year?
3: Yeah, definitely. I think that next year, just generally, it's going to be like a euphoric year because everybody wants to get out everybody wants to kind of um meet people in the flesh um so i definitely think that for for those industries that have been affected this year they're gonna see substantial uh, positive years because you can't get any worse than 2020 um but at the same time i definitely think that um for for ourselves like on tiktok um the is only gonna continue to develop because um as they have more data and start to build out their. um their offerings for advertisers, you can only really benefit a lot more from it. Um, So for us personally, um, I'm pretty optimistic um, about next year. And just generally, like, um, I think next year is gonna be um, a good year for us all.
0: You can tell it's Friday, there's a palpable optimism. Tom, are you going to bring your Mancunian uh, cynicism to the play or are you going <laughs> to... Actually, uh,
5: it's actually Chorley, James, so it's not Manchester <laughs> Um I just, yeah, I mean, I could probably talk about it for ages, but I think Bob's point is super important about, like, club records and and dance music and stuff. I mean, it, it has to come back, and I, I think it's a shame that so many amazing records, whether it was the Diplo and Sidepiece record or Boys Noise mainline that came, didn't get the kind of, supporting the clubs that it deserved and I mean I know it'll make my job easier when we're back in a club I could take a video of a record going off and post it instead of having to come up with 10 ideas to promote it yeah.
3: um
5: but I think like uh yeah I think people are gonna have to continue to be agile and I think like Vanessa said like it'd be interesting to see which artists come out of it best because I mean for my last point for me like Bob Sinclair he um nailed it I mean, as soon as kind of lockdown started, he did a live stream every single day in vertical. Um, it was very personal. He was agile, I mean, he, he was talking to people. And it was like, it was the, he was the hero of dance music in lockdown. I'm not saying he'd kind of moved away from it or not been as relevant or whatever, but like when we come out of it, it'll be interesting to see like how someone like that is such a legend who reinvented himself on digital during lockdown, how that kind of affects him uh, in the flesh I suppose and like with his bookings and stuff but yeah I mean here's to hoping because uh, I think yeah we, w- we want some records that are going to stick in people's minds forever for the right reasons next year rather than no offense a TikTok video or something it needs to be it needs to come back to being real which can then be
0: shown on digital in, in the way that we know it, it can and should be. Some lovely points there and last but not least well he's an eternal optimist anyway Bob what, what do you reckon, mate? 2021, tell us. You no, know, it's, it's so true. I just
1: realized that Tom was talking about um Nightcrawlers push the feeling on. And I, I worked on that. I was a plugger on that <laughs> in the <laughs> 90s. So basically you'd be doing nothing with that, where it's not for me. So, <laughs> so that's I'm massively <laughs> aging myself, obviously, but send me the check. I'll be happy. <laughs> You're welcome on the 60 million. Lo- that's what I'm looking forward to, is that check. <laughs> um that's no, so- no, in, in, in all seriousness, I'm looking forward to love, basically, a lot of better behaviour amongst us all globally. I, mean, I am an optimist. I, I think we've learned a ton about ourselves and our communities and our countries and our leaderships and all sorts this year. Um, you know, I, I hope that we see a continued attacking of the diversity and inclusion problem uh, sustainability problem all of that stuff and i think we will because i think again the accelerant that has been the pandemic is just is firing us into that and, and i think if we don't sort of take up those batons properly and run with them then we'll we'll regret this time deeply um but i'm excited about that i'm ex- I'm, I'm and i'm sort of weirdly looking forward to christmas
0: <laughs> on that lovely note i don't know about lunchtime and learning this is like friday feel good that feels very very good if this was a live audience you'd be getting a big round of applause so thank you very much today to vanessa to nick to tom to bob it's been a brilliant panel i hope there's a whole bunch of stuff for people to learn from i hope it's been constructive and people can look back on the defectors linkedin page twitter and all sorts to see all of the panels on this we talk with one series and on that note we hope to see you all properly in the flesh very soon thanks everyone thank you, thank you. Hey, thanks everyone thank you. You're amazing. Thank you all so much. Bloody hell. I feel like I could go and run a marathon now. You've properly have <laughs> properly given give me a nice positive boost on a Friday
3: afternoon. Well done, mate. Great. Well, well, have a beer, great, James. So sort of your Thank you very much, James.
0: Take care, all of you. See you later on. Thanks. Thanks for have you. A good See afternoon.
1: Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.